Steve Lance, your host of the Capitol Report on NTD News. If you have not done so yet, please hit that subscribe button to stay up to date with all of the latest news coming out of the nation's capital and beyond. The 21 lives lost in the Texas shooting have been saved. Officials' accounts of police response are fueling questions, while more are demanding answers. NTD's Iris Tao brings us more. In 1247, she asked 911 to please send the police now. At 1246. Breaking down while reading 911 calls made from inside the Uvalde school where 21 were killed, the director of the Texas Department of Public Safety said the police were wrong not to breach the classrooms sooner. It was a wrong decision, period. There's no, no excuse for that. You can't. Hey, when there's an active shooter, the, the rules change. It's no longer, okay? It's no longer a barricaded subject. We don't have time. Don't Authorities said Friday that about 20 officers waited in the hallway outside the classrooms for more than 45 minutes before breaking in and confronting the gunman. The on-scene commander considered a barricaded subject and that there was time and there were no ch more children at risk. And here's Texas Governor Greg Abbott speaking at a Friday press conference. Why did they not choose the strategy that would have been best to get in there and to eliminate the killer and to rescue the children. Abbott, who earlier this week praised police for their quick response to the shooting, said he was misled by incorrect information given by law enforcement. I was misled. I am livid about what happened. The families whose lives have been destroyed, they need answers that are accurate. Texas Congressman Joaquin Castro has requested a full FBI investigation into the timeline of events, citing what he calls conflicting accounts by officials and witnesses about how police responded at the scene. The calls for intervention comes as President Biden is visiting Uvalde this Sunday. The White House said he will grieve with the families while calling on Congress to take action. Reporting in Washington, D.C., Iris Tao, NTD News. The annual NRA convention is starting today in Houston. This comes in the wake of today's shooting. As a Texas community continues to sort out the truth about the deaths of 19 children and two adults, the NRA has decided to go forward with its annual convention in Houston for the first time in three years. Key speakers include former President Donald Trump and Texas Senator Ted Cruz. I want to ask for a brief moment of silence as I read the names of these beautiful people. Alexandria Rubio. Aletha Ramirez. Every time a disturbed or demented person commits such a hideous crime, there's always a grotesque effort by some in our society to use the suffering of others to advance their own extreme political agenda. While several protesters gathered outside the convention, with some shouting that the Second Amendment was written in 1791 and that this is now 2022. Mark Meckler, a constitutional expert, explains why the Founding Fathers see it important for the people to be armed. In that they lived under a government that became tyrannical that stripped them of their weapons and ammunition and then imposed that tyranny 
by literally quartering forces in their homes. So they understood that ultimately tyranny might need to be resisted at the point of a weapon and that the people should be armed and trained. Houston Mayor Sylvester Turner earlier this week said that the city was contractually obligated to let the convention move forward. Some key Republicans have pulled out of this forum as political pressure continues to mount, including Texas Governor Greg Abbott, Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick, and Texas Senator John Corrin, and several other high-profile names. And with Second Amendment politics swirling, our next guest is Eric Pratt, Senior Vice President of Gun Owners of America. And we're happy to have him on to discuss. Eric Pratt, thank you so much for joining us on the Capitol Report. Thank you for having me, Steve. Absolutely. Eric, it didn't take long for the politicization of this uh, shooting to kick in. Um, why do you think uh, that is? Well, uh, obviously, the, the left is all about pushing gun control. And so with this, uh, you know, it, it's absolutely disgusting what they're doing. I mean, they're, they're pushing gun control. They're fundraising off of this within hours of the shooting. And really, it's despicable uh, because it becomes clear they only care about certain deaths. For example, more than 40 people have been shot and killed in Chicago this month. In the last 30 days in Baltimore, there have been 20 people shot and killed. But the left is not talking about that. They're not fundraising off of Chicago or Baltimore because they already have very strict gun control. Those cities don't serve their cause. They have red flag uh, gun confiscation orders. They have universal background registration checks. They have so-called uh, assault weapons bans. They have everything that the left is trying to push on us, and yet they have murders out the wazoo in those two cities that they can't control it. And what that tells us obviously, is that gun control is not the answer. Uh, but, you know, it's uh, the old saying about, uh, you know, just double, you know, what, what's the definition of insanity and just doubling down even when it doesn't work. Uh, that's exactly what the left is doing. Eric, in certain parts of the country, there's, uh, you know, guns, the, the, just the topic of guns is, is taboo. Um, in the Northeast, many cities where I'm from, uh, in New England, uh, you know, people think guns are for uh, cops and crooks, and that's about it. What do you say to the city dwellers on the uh, East Coast who think that there should be an assault rifle ban? Well, first of all, I would say, look, a killer can use any instrument to incur a mass killing. I mean, he or she could use fertilizer in a truck, all right? I mean, that's like what uh, the Oklahoma City bomber used to kill 168 people. Or it could just be a truck all by itself, like what a guy in France did to use. Uh, he, he ran over and murdered 86 people. So the, the whole idea of blaming a certain instrument is short-sighted because no law that bans a certain object is going to stop an evil, determined heart from killing. Uh, what's amazing, and, and this is one of the one of the things that the anti-gun left does, is they only talk about certain uses of a firearm, which fit their narrative when they're used in a bad way. But then they won't talk about firearms when they're actually used to stop mass shootings. The day after the Texas shooting, there was an attempted mass shooting at a West Virginia was a birthday slash graduation party. And thankfully, there was a woman there with a concealed carry permit. She shot back 
uh, fatally wounded the guy. Uh, he died. That stopped the attack. Besides West Virginia, who else is talking about this? See, th th this is the very point where the, the media gins up opposition by only selectively talking about certain stories. And, and really, you know, that's a, 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 it, well, certainly is a disgrace, but that should be as much of the story as what uh, the left wing media, how they try to control the narrative. Eric, to your point, um, in 2019, we saw what happened uh, in Texas where a madman was about to open fire in a church uh, when a retired FBI agent pulled out his concealed weapon and, and killed the shooter, neutralizing him. Um, are there more types of these cases? You just men mentioned one, and we just don't hear uh, much about them. Yes. And in fact, a lot of times where there has been a lot of killing, tragically, a lot of times they are brought to an end by a good guy with a gun. Uh, one of the guys who works with us, his name is Stephen Williford. It, it was also in a Texas church. Now, uh, sadly, everyone at that church in Sutherland Springs did not have a gun on that day except for the bad guy. But when Stephen Williford, who lived down the street, heard the shooting, he ran out of his house barefoot with his AR-15, called the guy out of the church. The guy came out and Stephen mortally wounded him. I mean, the guy got in his car, drove off, but eventually took his own life because he was wounded so bad. So there are, in fact, the FBI cited that case and many other cases as examples where armed citizens use guns to stop uh, attempted mass murders. I, I think it's really important to point out that in most cases, these killers will try to seek out a location where it's a gun-free zone. You know, 81% of police agree that teachers and staff should be armed, and with good reason, because no school has ever had a mass shooting where there were armed teachers and staff. But tragically, that wasn't the case at the Texas school. Uh, police were reportedly not quick to rush in, and uh, this school, this Texas school, didn't take part in the program that allows teachers to be armed. So it was a gun-free zone. And, and again, that's what killers often choose to target. And why would 94% percent of mass shooters target gun-free zones because they don't want bullets being fired back at them. That's why they don't target police stations or gun shows, because killers love gun control. And sadly, that's what enabled this killer in Texas. Eric Pratt, thank you for joining us. You're very welcome. Thanks again, Steve. In Washington, D.C., the pharmaceutical lobby, otherwise known as Big Pharma, wields a big stick in terms of its influence on Capitol Hill. Adam Andrzejewski is CEO of OpenTheBooks.com, and he's been following this closely. Here's a look. Adam Andrzejewski, thank you so much for joining us in the Capitol Report. Well, thank you. Good to be here. Adam, you recently wrote an article where you claim to uh, uncover a close relationship between pharmaceutical companies and the NIH and their scientists and what you're calling uh, royalty payments that are being made. Please, please tell us exactly what you uh, uncovered here. Well, we believe that transparency is transformational and can revolutionize United States public policy and politics. And I know of no better example and where to start than the National Institutes of Health. We just uncovered a royalty payment stream that previously has been hidden from the people, the press, the pundits, from the politicians. And over a decade, we estimate that royalty stream at the National Institutes of Health adds up to $350 million. 
These are royalty payments from third-party payers, think pharmaceutical companies, back to the agency and 1,700 of its scientists. And every single one of those payments could be a potential conflict of interest. So Adam, what exactly does this mean from an ethics standpoint? And if there is a conflict of interest, where does that lie? Well, it could be pay to play. It could be green litting pharmaceutical drugs because you have a financial interest in them. The last time this third party paid royalty database at NIH had sunshine was 2005. The Associated Press filed a Freedom of Information Act request and got the entire database. Within that database, they found, and it was a scandal, that Dr. Anthony Fauci had been receiving royalties. He's the head of his institute at the National Institutes of Health. The drug, an experimental AIDS drug, had been funded to the tune of $36 million of taxpayer money. So was this drug, you know, all the different pay-to-pay questions and ethical questions came to the forefront regarding Dr. Anthony Fauci. And he admitted that it is a potential conflict of interest and that he was concerned about it. And he also said that he was on a forward basis going to donate those royalties to charity. But obviously over the last 17 years, the issue disappeared from the public eye and nobody knows if he actually donated those either. Adam, you said that Fauci continues to uh, receive NIH-approved perks uh, without a lot of accountability in your article. Uh, You gave an example that in February of 2021, Fauci received a $1 million uh, prize from a foundation in Israel. What types of questions might uh, this raise? Well, is this, you know, is Dr. Anthony Fauci operating in a public interest or is he operating in his own special interest? In regards to the million dollar prize from the Dan David Foundation in Israel, it was given specifically to Dr. Anthony Fauci and approved by the National Institutes of Health for the reason of, quote, unquote, speaking truth to power during the Trump administration. Now, we have reviewed a very basic job description provided by NIH on Dr. Anthony Fauci's position as director. And nowhere in there is public affairs. And the law since 1913, it's called the, the Gillette Amendment, specifically bars the propagandist, the federal bureaucrat that is engaged in propaganda. And so does this prize, does this admission uh, violate the Gillette Amendment. And there needs to be a legal opinion on it. I mean, to your point, uh, we know Washington, uh, uh, D.C., you know, the money is washed in in obscure ways uh, when you have extremely powerful health officials potentially being paid large amounts of money. Does it raise questions of who might be behind the money and what their intentions are? Well, absolutely. And that's why in this $350 million decades Uh, long database of royalty payments from third parties, we need a lot more transparency. I want to give you two examples. Although we know the top line numbers in this database, and we know the scientists' names like Anthony Fauci, like Francis Collins, the former director of NIH, those folks receiving the royalties, we know 1,700 scientists received those royalties. We actually don't know the individual amounts paid to those scientists because they were redacted, erased. We also don't know the name of the third party payer. Think pharmaceutical company that paid the royalties because the name of the payer has been erased and redacted as well. Adam Andrzejewski, thank you. Thank you.
I just want to thank everybody for listening to this episode. If you enjoy our content, please leave us a rating and a review as it really goes a long way in helping us spread the truth. Until next time, I'm your host, Steve Lance at NTD, and we'll see you soon. Thank you.